Hey, Print Hustlers, welcome back to another episode of Printavo's Print Hustlers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got our host, Hurricane Farrag out of Campus Inc. down in Champaign, Illinois. We've got a very special guest, but before I introduce him, um, if you guys haven't checked out Printavo, it helps you organize and grow your shop. We are helping shops just supercharge their business and really be able to streamline everything from start to finish. Okay, without further ado, though, we've got a very special guest here today out of San Leandro, California, Brig Printings, Dawood Muhammad. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> I got a round of applause. I'm starting to work on. I'm starting to work on these uh, sound effects here. We got Dawood Muhammad. No, Dawood, how's the shop been? The shop's been, you know, it's been crazy. You know what I mean? It's been good. You know what I mean? It's been a crazy year so far. And so, man, it's it's been a uh it's been a journey. You know what I mean? It's the same old, same old, but at the same time, it's just a lot more of it. Yeah. We originally met, you're talking about SGIA. Right, 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 right. Out there in Wild Vegas. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool, man. I, I missed the trade shows. Hopefully they have ISS. I don't know if they are or if they're not, but um, but yeah, it was pretty dope. You know, I met you guys up there. Y'all was y'all had y'all nice little kiosk. It was like a little little kiosk, like little table type situation. It was like maybe three of you guys. Yep. And um, I looked. I wanted to check out the uh, software and everything. And at that time, we was using mainly for our business software was a uh, fast manager. It's kind of uh, antiquated and everything. So we want to get on the cloud. You know what I mean? I mean, it got. I ain't gonna talk bad about it because, to be honest, it got us. It got us where we are today. It was a really great platform at the time. But we needed to be able to disconnect from. You know what I mean? The network. You know what I mean? We need to be able to disconnect. So we was up there, saw you guys up there. You guys were young, energetic, you know what I mean? Hungry. And so I'm like, man, let's see what these guys talking about. And uh, boo, yeah, that's what we met. You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, I was telling Stephen, I don't remember that, unfortunately. I remember hanging out at ThreadX last year. But our highlight of SGIA was Stephen booking two one-way flights to Vegas. Two one-way flights. <laughs> and I think I realized it when I went to check in for my flight on Sunday at like 10 a.m. And uh, that's the story of Bruce and Steven going to trade shows, booking the wrong flights to the wrong <laughs> yeah. states to the wrong... Uh, it's like, Wrong hotel uh, dates, years. It, yeah, wrong hotels. We've done it all. Um, but, uh, but Daoud, tell us a little bit. I mean, three years ago... To where you're at now? Where was your shop then? Where's it? Where's it at now? Three years ago, you know, when you've been in this game as long as I have, been doing custom screen printing since '99, and so three years ago feels like three months ago. You know what I mean? That's why I remember it so vividly. But um, at that time, I was probably uh, wheels at the same location. I think we had um, we may have the SGIA. SGIA is before um, ISS, so. We may have two automatics at the time, two A-color uh, MNRs. We had eight heads of embroidery, two Tajima machines. And um, we probably had like 15 people on staff or something like that. And our clientele wow. base was still the same clientele base, you know. And because um, right after that, I think that's when we purchased the 12-color rock because we went to the ISS that January and um, hooked up with them dudes over there at Rock and uh, got a machine. If I did, I think we may have had the machine at the time. I don't know. You got, you're running blue and green? Blue and green, baby. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Next yep, thing, blue and green. 
it, it'll be what what does the digital squeegee go on it'll have to go on it might have to go on a rock right i know right? i've seen that video i've seen that i think maybe bruce posted it. i said oh man i didn't know that was a, a possibility i said oh, okay 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 that looked kind of cool that looked kind of cool but yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I like the way the digital squeegee looks you know what i mean and it, uh, it looks like it's doing pretty good you know but um you know, maybe that happened in the future or something like that. We just purchased a, yeah. a, a brother. DTG it just came in two days ago. So mm. what was that for? For retail stuff or? Um, no, it's like another tool to have an arsenal. You know what I mean? So whatever coming through the door, it may be a great job for DTG or screen print or embroidery or both. You know, and if you got to say pieces, that's 12 pieces and you got all these colors in it. Man, we're going to put that DTG. And, you know, if you got more, then we'll see if we can set that up for screen printing. But we got the the bulk, the brother bulk was supposed to be the big one. You know what I'm saying? So you're supposed to be able to do uh, the cost for the ink is supposed to be a lot cheaper. So we're really? going to see yeah. how, yeah, we're going to see how it works. You know, we're going to see. So how that's the newest one that just came out? It just came out. Yeah, maybe a couple of months ago, maybe. Wow. Yeah. So you get the buy the ink in bulk so the ink comes in these big old jugs and the machine is a lot bigger it's more um industrial for a brother it's not up there like a maverick or something like that but it's definitely not the same as the gt3 that we had previously what do those run if we might ask it was like 30 oh that's not yeah, okay. like 35. Not We're not talking like cornet prices or anything okay. right 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 it's doable you know what i mean and um and we're gonna see it's still in the crate. I ain't opened the box yet, so we still waiting on <laughs> we still waiting on the stand to come. So once the stand come, we bust him open and put him on the stand, and you know get it situated so the guys can come and tell us how to use it. But we may not wait for him. We may just plug it in and start playing around with it. Wow, you still use yours quite a bit, Farrick, right? Yeah, we uh, we have the Epson, the F twenty one hundred twenty one thousand, and. It's solid. It does its job. It's DTG. I mean, you have to put a disclaimer on it a little bit. It's not a replacement, you know, but it fixes those 12 to 20 piece orders um, with, you know, bad artwork and someone just wants like something simple or, a, you know, on there and they're not too concerned about it all day, all day. Is that what it's, do you use it a lot more for filling in the holes there with with the mistake or you forgot the shirt or whatever happened or is it just for smaller run jobs like you know like <laughs> in order comes out and they're missing you know one shirt or something at the end of it or you goofed it or, or whatever happened well I could, yeah you can't really do that with dtg and screen print it's just like unless they really had to right, have it right. and they like man my my daddy's gonna have a fit if i don't have his shirt or whatever then you say okay well what i can do is this it's gonna look a little right. bit different the colors may not be as vibrant and it may have a different feel if you're good with it then cool but if you're trying to pass it off as one of the production runs it's not gonna work yeah it'll stick out like a sore thumb i thought that too like hey we'll just throw it on the dtg and after a while it's like there's no way there's there's just it's like a totally different ball game yeah i mean but, you, don't, uh, you really don't want to do that because they may like the dtg better and you be like damn you know yeah oh, yeah I, I like this so so soft and smooth oh, why they all don't feel like this that's why i thought i was getting but uh yeah but yeah dtg i look at them all as tools you know like we as garment decorators we have a a set of tools that we get to use and whether it's screen print or embroidery or vinyl some cases you know and um and yeah just another tool a manual you know just everything has its place and they all are great at what they do 
you know, automatic is great for big production, fast turnaround, consistency. You know what I mean? The manual is good for if you got a smaller shop, you don't have the ability to really, you know, have a commercial facility or, you know, you got some guys who can really pull the squeegee and you can bang like 40, 50, 60, 100, 200 pieces out, depending on the uh, on, 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 on the graphic itself. Could be a left chest, you know, something real easy to pull. You know, we haven't really did uh, manual printing in a long time since I bought the automatic. Every job we put is on the auto. Yeah. Dawood, I would assume you run a CTS direct to screen. Not yet, no. You are. You guys are still on film, right? Still on film, man. We on that plastic, you know? We still on that plastic. But every shop owner I talk to as of yet that have purchased a director screen is like, that's the first thing you need to get. You need to get a director screen, director screen, director screen. I'm like, damn, really? Really? Is it that big of a difference? Really? And so um, me and Kevin have been talking about it, and we may pull the trigger on it. You know, we're just waiting for a good deal. We like to buy stuff at a good deal. And right now, it's a lot of deals out there, to be honest. I actually, uh, yeah, I actually passed up on one. Just It was a dial fit machine. This guy's going uh, closing the shop up, and he had a dial fit. I looked at it. I'm like, man, that thing looks kind of old. And, you know, I was kind of scared. Then I talked to Tom from uh, Motion, or Tom Davenport. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, man, that's a, you need to get it. And so I hooked you up with the people, blah, blah, blah. And so I still haven't pulled the trigger on it, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got we, it before uh, and after. We, yeah, we we pulled the trigger on a Douthit in last January actually, and uh, it was a conversation that Mark from Douthit had been talking to me for like three years. <laughs> every trade show he would come and every just, like, every Long Beach, <laughs> ev- every single trade show, come and say hi. Uh, and finally, I made the call, and he was there the next week. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's an awesome machine. That's super cool. But game uh, changer, huh? Game changer um, because I, I realized and I was I was just texting um, Dylan from from upstate. I think it's if we really measured the the downtime of our presses, I think we would freak out. <laughs> like how many hours a day do your presses really run versus what you think they run? And wow. I think it, it comes it comes down to setups. It all just comes down to setups. And you know if you have great press operators and someone that's really good in, in the dark room, you know um, you're going to be quick. But if it's a tough setup. Um, Man, that that CTS straight straight to Trilock or whatever you know PRU system you're using is is money. It's it's uh it's absolutely a game changer for us. God, so, and we don't so. even use the uh, Trilock system or anything. Everything by by eye, right? Everything. So you have so you have some pretty talented people then on press, I would assue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I like to say, like, man, are you a screen printer? Are you a press operator? We try to work with screen printers is a difference you know a press operator can push buttons stop go load the shirt unload the shirt screen printer can do basically everything and what i'm finding out is best to um set it up to where that you don't have to do the to rely on so much skill set as much as the automation of it and so i was like you know pumping my chest like man we we screen printers over here if you need the trilog man that's training wheels take the training wheels off i mean you know can you can you set up in five minutes without trilog can you do this without that and so um it's cool as you you know when you're smaller but as you grow and you need to hire more people and you want to be able to take somebody off the street and say here boom 
put you in. And um, that's so that's what we're leaning towards, trying to get maybe on that status. So we may have to incorporate one of those direct to screen, either eye image or the doubt fit. I don't know. I just went to this one guy's shop the other day. He was showing me the eye image. He's like, man, you need to get this, bro. I'm like, for real? He's like, yes. Trust me, you need to get it. Every everybody I talk to, that's what they say, and I just I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. And I'm like, man, we should get the IM. Should we get it? Damn. Then next thing you know, forget it. No. So I was gonna say, like, you've got a hundred and fifty thousand followers on your Instagram. Yeah, one fifty two. Uh, oh, one hundred fifty two. Um, <laughs> you guys do you guys a ton, do a of, ton like, of like flock, flock like three like D. I mean, I mean, just the, just the, the decoration, decoration methods, methods that you guys, that you guys are doing. Are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean how, how how did you I mean that's a, I mean, that's a some, some of the stuff that you know just like as I'm looking at it looks really intimidating to do is that is from just, from just your, your experience how did you guys, get, you guys so get so good at, good at whether it's flock or, or tackle twill or, or all the stuff, stuff that so so my background into this game is start with my own clothing line right and so when I started my own clothing line, I wanted my brand to look like the brands I've seen in the mall and the stores and what my customers were wearing. You know what I mean? And so even at that time, it was a whole bunch of embroidery, a whole bunch of screen printing, a whole bunch of special effects. And um, this was in 94, you know? And so I used to go to the mall back in the day and just go to different stores like a Miller's Outpost. You probably don't even know what that is, but Miller's Outpost and, um, pack sun and things like that and look at all the different shirts that were being printed and man they always had some top of line like that's the first time i seen high density was inside a, a pack sun store you know it may be a roxy shirt or something like that the skater or the surfer brands and so as soon as i got into this business i wanted myself to be like that i wanted to i want whatever i can think about i want to i want to be able to put that on the garment and i had the the uh I guess the privilege of not being a screen printer and getting into the game was actually coming from a design aspect and selling a garment. If I had to get into the game as a screen printer, I probably would have watered my designs down to match my skill set. But being that I hooked up with a great uh, screen printer, anything I threw at him, he never complained. He never said anything. So I just thought that's how the game was until I went to a different screen printer and saw that it wasn't. So, And our customer, our clientele base, they come at me the same way that I was back in the day. Like, hey, man, I want to be like this. Can you do that? Can you like, "Mm, yeah, we can do it. Let me see what we can do. And that's how it is. So when we got our embroidery machine, this was in like 04. We got a two-head Tajima. And the first thing we did, like as soon as I got the machine, like, oh, I want to do screen printing and embroidery and applique all on the same uh, garment. And that's what that was the first project we did. And so, man, it came out really came out really dope. I hooked up with my buddy Steve at Fab at Fab Tech. He's out there in Arizona. He um he used to always be at ISS show. And what he did at the time, he mainly just cut material. He cut poly twill, cotton twill, all these different cool designs. He used to have this little uh DVD, and on his DVD or CD, it was basically like an instruction booklet on different uh embroidery methods different type of stitches just everything because he had to educate the consumer on all the things that he can do because you you just don't know what your capabilities are and so when i got it and we drove home from iss from so iss is long beach we drive all the way to the bay that's a six seven hour ride 
And the whole ride, I'm studying this guy, and I was like, whoa. And so as soon as we got home, I said, Steve, that's what I got. Send it to him. We hooked it up. We actually entered it in the um, Impressions magazine. They had a, uh, the contest they had every year. It was Impression and EMB magazine, and we came in first place in three categories. It was dope. Yeah, they had us on display wow. at an ISS show, and it was pretty cool. So when we came into this game, that's all that we really was really trying to do. We didn't want to do left chest like like this right here. We wasn't trying to just do a little left chest stuff. We wanted to do full, big, bold. You know, we big printing, so, you know, we got to do it <laughs> big and bold. You know what I mean? That's our clientele base. So that's that's what really got us into doing that type of stuff. It's like a every – that's what we do all day, every day. It's regular. Wow. And Dawu, do you guys do any contract printing or are you guys pretty much your own? We pretty much do our own thing. We got our own clients. We used to do the, the broker contract stuff and we found out for us, our um, value wasn't in print cheap. It wasn't in print fast. Our value was in the way that we print in the uh, creative side of things. And that really wasn't a uh, value on a um, contract or broker basis. Everything is price driven. And we can't compete with being the cheapest. That's just not our thing. That's that's not the model that we really want to go after. So we did it for a while. It felt good at the time because you would get some big orders coming through. And, you know, you have some big names attached to these orders and they make you feel like you're doing a lot. But right prior to going into that market, we were doing schools and schools. The markup was totally different. If you can really make you some money is and you can still be creative because the school uh, uh, will want you to put your flair, your flavor and your uh, expertise on there because you're selling the kids. They want something fly. You know what I mean? So so when we did that and we branched off to the um, ASI, PPAI, all of that type of stuff. It just, it was cool for a minute. But then we started looking at those invoices like we did all of this for how much? Let me see. How much was that? Man, we could have sold a hundred sweatshirts and made that. We just did three thousand shirts to do that, and we got to wait for the money. And you know, they they sell you the goods, or they send you the goods. You don't make a markup on that, so it wasn't it wasn't conducive for us. So we stopped it, and then we went strictly like going. We going to work with brands. How'd you stop it? Like, did you just raise the prices on them, or you just said we're not taking this order? We weren't that big, so we had one or two ASI people, right? We, that's what we call them inside people and so we had two kind brokers and they would stock you up because they got all these different sales reps selling 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 and then once we just cut it off of one that's pretty much it you know that's pretty much it and it's so a pretty hard thing to do it is it's your business is set up that way but to be honest it's once you make your mind up that you ain't doing it no more <laughs> it's just like anything else so we wasn't addicted to it because it sounded good and it felt good because you got all these big orders coming in. Well, some are big, some are not. And it feels like you're doing a lot. And so you start really looking at the numbers. And if you don't have nothing compared to, then it may feel like that um, you're doing good. But if you never did any other market to know that, you know what, for the amount of money that I'm making, I could have did have the work and made just as much. So if I did the same amount of work, I'd have made double or I could have been at home earlier or I could have been chilling on a weekend with my family or whatever, you know? And I could have been doing something that's, um, sorry about that. I could have been doing something that's, that uh, is more rewarding. Like it feels rewarding to do something for a big name or whatever, but at the end of the day, I want to cash a big check. If I can't do that, then I just, it's like you, it's like you doing it for fun, you know? 
And I know some guys out there, some big, big operations out there, that's mainly what they do. You know what I mean? And when times like this happen, far as, as a, you know, the country shuts down, woo, they start to close shop, you know, because the margins were so thin and you, and when they stop, you just kind of short. And what, for us, it was good. That, that wasn't this year, right? That was before? No, that was years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was years ago. That was in like maybe 08, 07, 08. We learned pretty quick. It was fun. It's like, oh, cool. We're doing this for Yahoo. We're doing this for Delta Airlines. Doing this. And like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. We don't suddenly see the invoices. Like, it was all right. You know, you take the big, <laughs> like, if you take the big name off of it, it's really like whack, to be honest. It's whack. It's like whack, unless the numbers is really there. So at the one time we did one order for the Beta Breakers, that's a big marathon out here. It's like 30 something thousand shirts. And we was like, whoa, we did it. That's a big order. You know, and it was front end back. And it was, it was good. Actually, it was cool. It was cool because the numbers was there. It was there. But then was other times it's like, it wasn't there. Sure. It wasn't sure. there. That's so. like the whole profit first thing at the, at the foundation, really, where he talks about it's not top line numbers. I mean, the top it's line the is just line. to satisfy your ego, to make us right. feel good. But it's really at the end of the day, what what, what do you have coming out of it? Right. right. Once that newness right. and all that wears off, you start looking at those numbers like, Man, that was kind of whack. We doing this, and we got to wait, and got to get a PO. We got to put forth all this money up front, pay my employees, do all of this and that, and then, you know, it's all it wasn't so left. So, Dawood, you have, like I said, if you haven't followed uh, Big Printing on Instagram, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm like lost. I'm like scrolling through it, and I'm like, I got, I got, I got to listen. I'm, I'm just scrolling through, looking, looking right now, and I'm just like, I, I mean, it's, it's awesome because it's so different and so unique. Are a lot of your sales, you know, driven from Instagram? Like, how do you, how do you all market? Because it seems like you guys attack a, a certain niche. Yeah, IG is real heavy for us, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, because um, I've been, like I said, I've been, it's been so long. It was a time where, you know, if you're a print, if you're a screen printer, you definitely were considered local, unless you were. Um, one of these really big, big, big companies. But with um, social media and Instagram for us, man, it really opened up the whole country to us. You know what I mean? And when they allow for uh, for you to do your own promotional ads where you can promote and they will promote for you, pay them a couple of dollars and they'll promote for you and they'll put you in different markets that you wouldn't even think of, it's really a game changer. And um, I saw that and I said, well, Instagram is good because what we do is all visual. You know what I mean? We do graphics, we print, we decorate garments. And so we can take some nice pictures and put it out there. I know if the right person see it, they if the right person see it, they gonna really be hooked on it because I know I'm hooked on it. And so I know if I'm hooked on it, then it's a nation of people just as like me that's gonna be feeling it. And sure enough, that's what's happening. So are you just in the DMs a lot or people reach out to you or is it ads through Instagram or what? It's the DMs, it's the comments, it's the phone calls, it's the emails, it's the whole ecosystem of getting in contact with somebody via uh, uh, social media. On Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. That's crazy. So, I mean, Farrakh, you are, I mean, talking to your, your guys at the office, they're just heavy in Instagram too. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the only place where no matter who you are, whether you're an influencer, a marketing team, like there's a there's a body behind that phone and there's someone like messaging and that's 
that's how we connect too. Um, not at the scale that y'all are doing it. Do you have a team? Like, do you have a team that's managing that full time? Like, is it just you or? <laughs> yeah, just me basically. Yeah. In the, in the, in the IG. So, you know, we set up our website, we got that hooked up. And once we got that hooked up, uh, it's really, really skyrocketed. So it's been great because we've been building up our following for a while. And for the most part, it was mainly, uh, the DM. So in the DM, they hit us up and then I just reply with a link, click the link, fill out the uh, form and then it populates on our back end. And then we input it inside our uh, inside a fast manager at the time, send it over to them and they review it. Then we have to send them a PayPal link. Then they make the payment and then it converts over to an order. Well, we we uh, hooked up with uh, you, your guys arch rivals and um, got set up with them. And to be honest, it like skyrocket and we've been working on it for a long time we just never really plugged it in in the beginning of uh january we decided to really say you know what we're gonna dive in full full speed ahead and we did it and it happened at the great time because when um the so-called country shut down everybody went online and it was a perfect time for us to be online because it just really really it all the work that we've been doing on instagram as far as building our audience and whatnot it gave them a way to make a purchase and it was dope it was dope and it's and it's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and so we just been scaling is that these packages because on your website you sell a lot of these um like uh 24 beanies 199 um you know hoodies a thousand dollars for 53 color front um is that where people will go click on that purchase and then start their whole process Correct. Yeah. I mean, we try to just simplify the process. I know when I was starting in this business, it was kind of complicated when you go sit down with a screen printer and say, oh, yeah, I want to get the design. I said, well, how many colors? And uh, OK, you know, you got to have a screen charge. You have a flash charge. You got all these different charges. So we just try to bake everything into one package deal. So, OK, cool. You know, 400 bucks will get you 50 T-shirts with a three color print. You get your inside neck labels printed and your shirts come individually folded and bagged and poly bags. And they're like, OK, cool. All I need is uh, 400 bucks. I get 50 shirts. I sell them for twenty dollars each. I can turn my 400 to a thousand dollars. Got it. So you're selling to a lot of brands, it sounds like clothing brands and clothing brands and people who maybe didn't. There's a lot of them are first timers. You know what I mean? It's their first time actually getting into the business. They say, okay, $3.99, start your own brand. All right, cool. I know I got $3.99 and I got an idea. And then sure. that's where it starts at. Simple. Really no simplified. Coding and back and forth. Right. Right. The streamline is really wow. simple. If you got more than three colors, then it's a if four to five colors, additional hundred bucks. Right? You got six wow. to seven colors, additional two hundred bucks. You want something on the back, it's an additional hundred bucks each additional location just make it really simple you know and so sometimes we win sometimes we lose but sometimes we come in the middle so it depends on how many colors they're getting well how would you lose well we won't lose we'll lose a little so our profit margin will be a lot bigger not a lot but a little bit more bigger if it was just a one color print right versus being a three color okay, print okay. Right? but i think the smart thing that you do is by saying hey if you want this it's going to be another hundred bucks it plays defense for you as well because it's like it's pay to play if you want it We'll do it, but this is what it's going to be, and it's one way or the other. It's not. Uh, it's going to be a dollar here and a setup charge there. Nope, it's a hundred dollars, and that's what it is. And then in their heads, they're like, "Can I afford that? Yes or no?" And that's it. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, either a hundred dollars sound difficult or it sounds easy. 
wherever your pockets is like, then it's like, okay, a hundred bucks. All right, let me get it. Or a hundred dollars. Right. Now nah, that's okay. Or if you want a right. premium shirt, it's an upgrade of a hundred bucks. Especially, I mean, it just, it does reduce so much thinking on the customer's end, right? So it's like, okay, do I hit the price break or, or like, or am I right under? How many do I actually need? You know, it, especially for your customer base, it's so much, um, it increases that uh, like convenience factor and speed factor of, of the back and forth. Yeah, and it's easy for me to just give you a quote. Let me see it. Oh, that's five colors. You look with 50 shirts, you're starting off at 499. Gotcha. Yeah. Did your customer base change at all with COVID or because it was brands, it sounds like brands are just doing going crazy right now. Yeah, it just went crazy. So clientele base stayed the same. It stayed the same because that's what we really concentrate on. That's who our demographic is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just more of it. Some got off of the fence that may have been following and looking for a long time and said, you know what? Now it's the time for me to uh, start my brand. And I've been following you guys for a while. So I want to I want you guys to do it. You know, and so for the most part, our clientele base is, is the same. It's just more of it because what IG and Instagram allows for us to tap in with people from all over the country and we're working with brands. They appreciate the fact that you can do denim on a shirt or you can do a Chanel or you can do a 3D patch or you can do something real crazy, something different. They're looking for different. That's what they're looking for. You know what I mean? It's versus trying to sell this high price item to someone who said, yeah, I like that, but how cheap can I get that? It's best when you market and building your company. It's great that you can have the people coming to you. Then you can really kind of like, you can set the tone of what the experience is going to be like versus you going to them. And then you have to deal with the experience going to be like from their perspective you know? And so that's why we spend a lot on Instagram, well, not even a lot in comparison. It's not really a lot, but we, we do a lot of, uh, promotion on Instagram and, uh, that's, that's seemed to be the platform that our clientele base is on heavy. And right now, I guess, I think it's a really, really unique moment in time that you do have your demographic on one platform versus being broken up into all these different places. That may not be the case five years from now, two years from now. It may be the thing not to be on the same uh, platform, but right now today it is. So it's a great opportunity. That's why I tell a lot of my customers like, hey man, definitely want to market, go on IG, give them some money. They're not gonna let you use their platform without you paying them. It may seem like you can, some people do, but at the end of the day, um, they know the algorithm. They know your clientele better than you do. It's owned by Facebook. Facebook knows your name. They know your cousin's name. They know your all your family. They know what you like. They know what you don't like. They know what you scroll on. They know everything. And so when I first started advertising on IG, I would try to figure it out, make my own demographic, like, and pick the character or the uh, categories that I wanted. And I didn't get any results. And then I just set it on automatic and I was like, whoa, okay, it's working. Oh, it should work. It's their platform. They want me to just keep spending money. They will bring me some results. So that's what happened. So I'm like, whoa. And then we'll do a trade show like Magic in Las Vegas. And then a lot of people come to the booth like, hey, man, I've been following y'all on IG. I'm from Kentucky and I'm from all these different places that I never would have thought of. They're like, man, your stuff come up on my thing every day. I don't know who's in charge of the uh, of your social media, but it comes on my page every day. I'm like, oh man, that's dope. So it's a definitely a game changer. At least for us, it was it's definitely a game changer. Do you shoot out a lot of uh, like cold messages to people too, or is it very heavy ad driven? Not really, no. Okay, so it's people like reaching out from the ads. 
Got it. Yeah, got people it. are reaching out. Yeah, so we just I, I see what uh, posts is kind of resonating with people, and then I put a couple of dollars on it and see what happens. It'd be the one that I think is kind of not really the one, and it go up. Like I got sure. one that's probably like almost a million views. Right? It's just me taking out my phone, videoing what was on the press at the time. It was really raw and uncut, but it resonated with people and start going up like, oh man, this one doing numbers. So I'll put a couple of dollars on it and then it just keep doing numbers. So I keep running that same ad. If a shop, yeah, it does feel like it. If a shop has never like paid for Instagram ads, uh, what what is a simple way to just do it? You said you find a post that you think is resonating well. Do you put a hundred bucks for a day, $10? Like how much? $20. How much okay. So it's just small bits of like 20 bucks. Twenty dollars, yeah, and may put up, may across a few different ads, but the way I see which one is resonating when I post it, and it's getting a lot of likes and comments. Okay, well, people are kind of feeling that, and nowadays it's kind of difficult because Instagram, whatever their algorithm is, they won't send it out to everybody, and so it's kind of hard to tell because if your reach is only a quarter or or percentage of whatever your actual following is then that means they're not even sending it out. It's not even getting to the people at all. It's not even like they can see it to like it or to comment. You know what I mean? So huh. certain posts, they allow, or however it works, I don't know how it works, but some breaks through, some don't. And the ones that break through and they resonate with people and you see a lot of likes and a lot of interaction and comment, then then put some money on it and let Instagram go and feed it you know what i mean and then they got other ways so you can up you know you can um step your game up so to speak far as like building different audiences and uh doing look-alike audiences and using the uh they got the facebook pixel you can put that on your uh on your site you can really get the analytics that way i went to a um, conference that they facebook had had out here in oakland and that's what they were talking about i was supposed to implement all of that stuff i never did it and um, it sounded like it was a good idea. <laughs> feels like uh, feels like a lot of seminars and stuff too. But you know, you know what, Dawood, you are the second person we've talked to in less than a week that has been talking about paid ads, social um, specifically, paid yeah. paid social ads. And I think you know, like since since COVID pandemic, we've all kind of like adjusted or zeroed the way we're doing things are you more focused like every day do you go in with like i'm gonna try to make one post pop off today or my goal is to get a couple leads out of it like you know nah. you know to be honest the the ass is off the hook and the dms is so crazy right now i don't i don't i don't do that before i i would just i just post stuff and see what happens and but and before i would before Instagram allowed for paid ads, you have to go and manually or just go and comment on people's stuff. And uh, I'll say like, hey, oh yeah, that's a nice picture. Oh yeah, start your own clothing line for $3.99, get at me. And I'll just do that on some of the biggest brands, streetwear brands, like at the time it was maybe a Pink Dolphin or uh, Crooks and Castles or whoever the brand may be. It could be uh, Supreme or whatever. Whoever got a lot of uh, followers and a lot of eyeballs on it, I would go in there and just do that. That was the only way to get out there. But once IG allowed for you to pay them and they would do that for you, I was like, oh, man, this is like cheating. And so I come from not being able to do it. And I know I know the value of letting them do it. And I know it's some people that just like, oh, why would I pay them? Blah, blah, blah. It's supposed to be free. But they're they're billionaires for a reason. 
you know, and they're not gonna let you play on their uh on their play on their platform for free, you know. And you're not gonna really see the benefits. I know for us, I, I I'm not just saying what I think. I know that it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. the main thing is to really have content that that resonate with people and your demographic. You gotta know your demographic and concentrate on them and make stuff that's going to resonate to them. Like with us, if you're not into fashion, if you're not into streetwear, if you're not into uh, urban or street culture, things like that, you may not find our page appealing. You know what I mean? And we're good with that. But if you are and you stumble across it, boom, you just hit it. And I think one of the keys is make sure your page have similar content. So if I caught you with this type of content, when you click on view profile, click, and you see a whole bunch more, then you're going to definitely say, you know what, I'm a follow. Now, there's been sometimes where I've seen somebody's page and they, they had something I liked and I went to it and I didn't see any more of that type of content. I'm like, what? I don't want to see you eating food and whatever you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And so it's, it's I believe it's very important to have more, a lot of that same content. You know what I mean? Because if you caught them with this bait, then you got to have more of that bait to keep them. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And your don't niche, worry yeah. about, yeah, you got to have your niche and just concentrate yeah. on your niche. And to be honest, when I first started selling T-shirts, the name of my company was called Big Pimpin' Turf Clothes. And so with that name, <laughs> I knew that I had a specific niche that I wasn't finna be in um, one of the big chain stores and things like that. I wasn't finna appeal to a lot of the population out there. I knew that. But I knew that whoever was feeling what I had, they was going to feel it tremendously and that's how it works it worked that way it wasn't it was not broad it's specific like a bullseye you know what i mean i'm hitting with a bullseye i know i want to hear a whole bunch of no's whole bunch of whatever's it's not for everybody that's why i tell myself this right here it's not for everybody it's only for a select few and it's up to me to go find my tribe of people who's willing to uh, uh purchase it and that's what i did you know, and that's what I did. And that's the same thing I do now. Like, you know what? We're not going to be for everybody. So we can't try to be. We got to be for where we're good at. We got to be for us. You know what I mean? We basically putting up a mirror and making it for others such as ourselves. You're going to be authentic that way. You're going to be, um, nobody can beat you at being you. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no brainer. And so sometimes our stuff may seem a little whatever. Sure. But it's us. But you, you, yeah, you, I mean, you crafted the niche. It's interesting, right? Because later it's, it's easier to, to dive deeper into the niche when you're, you've got the traction, right? But it's hard at the beginning, right? To get the traction as well, because you're just trying to take anybody that, that you can help. But, um, yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's crazy. Like Farrick said, yeah. the last uh, podcast we did with Warrior Printing out of Hawaii is the exact same thing. Um, so that's big. Dawood, I want to I ask you a question, actually. So, um, you know, I'm a black business owner. You're a black business owner. Let's talk about diversity in the industry just and jump into it. Because I think with with everything race relation wise equality inequality all of it that's been happening this year it's been a big thing i know some brands are definitely starting to talk about it more i know rock actually had a, a pretty big uh a couple podcasts about it and and like how they can help um and i know shops have been pushing hard into it too what do you think about this space and it could just be more business ownership it doesn't necessarily have to be 
our industry. Obviously, you know, black unemployment's way higher than than uh, other races unemployment when when things like COVID hit or any type of recessions hit. Like, what are your thoughts on it? And how can we help, right? Because we all have big voices. You have big followings. We we try to put out a lot of content. We you know we're we're, we're there. We're present. What well, is issue? This problem. This plague, so to speak. You know, it's it's been around since the inception of this country. You know, since we've been brought to these shores. It's what this was really built this country. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our industry is mainly uh, white boys, right? And um, but 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 uh, black entrepreneurs, black garment decorators, black um, fashion designers, we out here heavy. I didn't I didn't know how how much it was until we did magic. And you know, magic in Vegas is a, a national trade show. And our booth was filled up with so many people, man, it was ridiculous. And our competitor, not our competitors, but everybody else around us, they was looking at our booth like, what is it? What is it about it? And like you can see our IG is 152,000 followers. You know what I'm saying? And so we're in this space when it comes to fashion, black people, we really, we're into it. That's one of the main businesses that we go into as a people is fashion, whether it's designing or whatever, we go into it heavy. We just not heavily representing it on say for instance with all the lights being shined on our industry when you go to the iss show and you see the big panels up there they never hear it from our perspective you feel me it's 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 never that you know what i mean i've been going there for years you know what i'm saying and i go every year like other businesses in general um for some of them i believe it's maybe authentic and some of them is just the time that we're in you know what i mean because it's heavy on your timeline it's heavy in the um on the news and you can't really turn it off and um and it's it's a, it's a big problem but it's been a big problem you know what i mean and i think like for us that's why i think we're doing so good is that black people we know that we got to do something for ourselves so entrepreneurship is the way that you don't have to really uh rely on someone else giving you an opportunity you can make one for yourself you know what I mean? So entrepreneurship is kind of like the great equalizer, even though you st- we still have the challenges of not having access to capital, not um, being taken care, not being taken serious. You know what I mean? Not having the uh, best educational system set up to where, you know, you can really be educated on business because business is is a tricky thing. And having access to capital is one of the biggest setbacks or hurdles that we have to uh, overcome. You know what I mean? Whereas me as a business owner, to this day, right, to this day, I haven't had any loans or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like all our equipment that we got, we purchased. That's why I always got to find a good deal. You know what I mean? Even if um, financially I may be doing cool and you can see that for whatever reason, when I go talk to whoever it is, Geneva Capital, Beacon Funding, Centrium, and the numbers that these people come back with is so ridiculous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what it is. I can't say it's my race. I can't say it because that's not what it is. But when I look around in the industry, I'm like, how are these guys having all this brand new equipment? How are they getting all of this stuff? How is when we go to ISS, I see all this new stuff and these guys actually have it. And I'm trying to get them like, man, it just, it just, I don't know, it didn't add up. But once we got this one big order that we just recently did, I can see how they were able to buy it. 
You know what I mean? Like you get a contract when it comes to economic inclusion, when um, you get the PO, say, from a big Fortune 500 company and they're giving you 300,000 shirts, 400,000 shirts to uh, produce. Now I can see how you can afford it. Now I can see how every year you they're buying, you can actually afford a digital squeegee. I can see how you can do that, right? I can see how you can have two of them. I can see how you got strikers. You know what I mean? I can see it. I'm like, whoa, I see this PO. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And I'm to think, to think that this is just one order. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's guys out there who have multiple, multiple of those type of scenarios. You know what I mean? Right. And that's that's why, like, um, when we got this big uh, order, I put it out there like, man, it's the power of the purchase order. The power of the purchase order can really change. It can really it can really um, uh, affect change. You know what I mean? It can really affect change on a massive level, because once like some companies do what is called like uh, donations, they may do a donation. Oh, yeah, we're donating X amount of dollars to this organization or we may be donating X amount of dollars to that organization. It's a whole nother thing when you actually send a purchase order to a black business. And now you really infuse that business with uh, 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 resources. Now they got to produce something. And at the end of that, you're going to get some resources. And so it's a great, it's a great scenario. If it happens, I know for us, we had a chance to experience. So I want to document the change and what we was able to do within that short period of time. Like we doubled in size. We didn't bought a whole bunch of equipment. Yeah. We able to really, really expand and grow and keep hiring people from there. Yeah. And we hire yeah, people creating jobs. creating jobs. We hired a lot of people. And, and during a pandemic is when we hired them. I can't obviously have an effect on a bank, right? But but the educational side, you talk about the educational gap, right? Uh, of of teaching those things to help say, hey, you know, capital may be harder, um, but here here's how you can be able to get there. Here's the kind of steps. Here's what you can see to be able to look around the corner. What are things that we can do and our industry could do and people listening can do to be able to help reduce that that inequality gap well in our industry well in all industries really right just look it's very simple just go and say you know what how many um black owned businesses do we actually do business with as vendors or sure. as vendors as entrepreneurs but what we can do as um all business owners is be conscious because i think a lot of uh i think the one of the main problems is is that uh, majority of the population out there that's in charge, they're not conscious of the fact that they're not doing business with black owned business. They don't, they're not conscious of it. And so what I believe what right now in this time is that it's putting it on people's consciousness. You know what I'm saying? And people are really uh, uh, conscious on what the scenario is, you know? And so we as, a, um, we as business owners, I think that's one of the things. And then also, not just from an economic standpoint, but from a, a social standpoint and a humanitarian standpoint is to, when you see injustice go on, you can't really just turn your eye to it. You may can't turn your head to it. It's not affecting me. So therefore, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Because like I said, this problem has been going on in this country since the inception of this country. It's one of the reasons why this country is so-called where it's at. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We have free labor. I mean, just imagine if you had people working in your shop for free for centuries and you know you would definitely have a uh, what they call that uh, an advantage over the rest of the world you know what i mean you got people working for you for free and then once they're so-called free they don't have rights and 
you you can't go into this part of town you can't go to that school you it's a lot of stuff that's systematically in place to hold us back or to keep us separate you said two things that i just want to emphasize again i think the conscious aspect is something that we don't always like we're not always conscious of um maybe we should spend extra time diversifying our team um, maybe we should spend extra time diversifying the vendors, especially like that. Cause you're right. The power of the PO, you know, like I look at my business and when, when things started hitting, then we started talking about it and the meeting that we kind of brought our team together and we we're talking about it. And the one thing someone said, they're like, we can't just talk about this for a month because it's popular and then it goes away. You know, we need to figure out a way to continue talking about it. And I took it personally cause it's like, okay, this is my business, but I think in bigger, sometimes in bigger companies and organizations, they have people dedicated to thinking about those things, right? right? And in a small business, we don't have someone dedicated to thinking about diversity, inclusion, the power of the purchase order, making sure that, you know, that we are being conscious of that. And so part of it falls on the business owner. I, you know, and it's, it's something that we have to consciously be doing whether or not it's in our job description, us as employers, we are the HR department, right? We are the power of the purse. We decide just about everything. And I think our employees look up to us and say, well, you know, um, Starbucks is doing these initiatives. Why isn't Campus Inc.? You know, and, and it shouldn't be how big your company is or need an HR department to do it. And that was the lesson that I kind of took away is the small things can actually matter and talking about it and being conscious of it. Because it's, it's, you know, when your employees, they'll ask us or a customer will say, you know, a customer asked me, like, will you do a BLM fundraiser? And I said, I will do it, but I think we should probably find, like, a black-owned business to print it because, like you said, grassroots all the way down and, and all the way down the line, I think as a printing industry we have a lot of creatives. I think it's up to us to be able to express that down to the printing presses and the pullers and the folders to our customers um, because we do touch a significant amount of people every single day with our apparel. You know, right, you know? right. And in business in general, and that would be dope, like to do it, like to do a BLM shirt or Inspire shirt is dope, right? But it's, it really means something when you make it a... Uh, a point that this has to be done by a black printer or something of that sort. Like we just did one and that job, they mandated that it had to be done by a black printer. And that's what I thought was so dope because it it was like, you know what? It has to be done by a black printer, period. And so it's, it turned at least uh, our industry into a world when whoever the person was in charge, they're like, what, a black printer? Where we get those at? And that was the funny thing is like they started maybe on one side of the uh, country and had to network with somebody in Boston and somebody in Florida to find us here in California. You know what I mean? And so that's how undiverse their situation was before the big uh, corporations said it has to be a black printer. So it actually mandated that they have a black printer in their midst now. You know what I mean? And so that was pretty that was pretty dope. You know what I mean? And that's why I wanted to highlight it just to show the effects that it has. It's like immediate. It's not like we have to have these big meetings. No, they need X amount of whatever. We're going to supply that and boom. And now we can do X, Y, and Z. Now, if they did, if they said, well, you know what, we're going to do this ongoing, not just because it's a BLM, 
that's when the real change uh, is 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 uh, taking place. If a big Fortune 500 company decides that they're going to whoever they size, whoever they decide they're going to partner up with, that's what they do. They partner up with them. So if you are in their supply chain, you're basically a partner in their business. And so say, for instance, uh, you're hooking up with company sells widgets and they plug you in and say, you know what? OK, I see you're doing your little widget thing over here. We're going to plug you in. You went from doing five thousand a month. Now, can you handle fifty thousand? If you can handle it, now you can grow and you can grow with us. You know what I mean? And they may can handle it. They just haven't had the opportunity to be able to handle it. You know what I mean? And like in our case, when it popped up, like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of shirts. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can handle it. Let me show you how well we can do it. You know what I mean? And just being presented that opportunity, it was it was great. You know what I mean? It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it to me, it always comes back to to huge amounts of empathy around it like of especially in a year like this one where we just have definitely become more divided in a lot of different areas whether whatever you believe it's like how how do we even going into like uh you know a family event right you know if people sit on the opposite sides it's like oh boy you know but um having like why do you believe that what where do you think you're coming from on that like what's your point of view and just for us to all be able to to truly have that patience instead of such a snap decision uh or thought nowadays everybody's uh thoughts and opinions can be seen right you can read it without even accent right like before social media before facebook you didn't really know what your some of your family members thought right you didn't know their viewpoints you know what i mean until you start seeing the thing that they like and they share you feel me? And so then you have this big, great divide between family members. It's really between the whole country. It's always been like that, but now everything is just out there full front, full force. So if you believe X, Y, and Z and the other person don't, now you have a platform to show what you think. And before you have to actually have a conversation with somebody, you know what I mean? To know how they thought. Now you can just scroll on their page and you can see how they feel and what they think. And they may not be in the line with your thinking. And so therefore that's the division. And it's easy to divide people right now because people have a platform to get out their viewpoint without having the gatekeepers having to, uh, you know, show it. So I just think that um, right now it's a very, very critical time in this country. You know what I mean? Because we got election coming up and the country is just so divided it's crazy. You know what I mean? It is so divided and it's always been, but now it's blatant and it's on TV and it's on your timeline. You can really, really see it at all times. And you have uh, 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 presidential candidates that are really like, I've never seen it before. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people are so like devoted to whatever side it is. If you're on this side or if you're that side, they're it's no coming. It's no coming together. It's it's a wrap on coming together. So, I don't know how it's gonna play out. I don't know. I'm just sitting back watching and really just trying to just you know take every day at a time and um, you know make sure that we're good. And if not, then you know we're just gonna play it out how it goes. Cause you know I'm I'm saying it from a black perspective. I don't know how it's gonna play out. You know what I mean? I don't know what's gonna happen. I, you know we didn't seen a lot of stuff go on in this country that you would think wouldn't but it does you know what i mean so i don't i don't know i'm a black man so i see the world a little bit different you know the society i guess i had the benefit you know the benefit of seeing society on how it really is you know what i mean and it's really crazy but you know we used to it so it mm -hmm. is yeah 
I, I had an eye-opening experience. So um, I my business partner's dad is 90. Um, paper press printing um, was big in paper. And he doesn't use Facebook or even have a phone. He comes into our shop and he restores like doorknobs in the back. And anyways, he comes, he goes, what's going on in the world right now? And I'm like, it's a sad world, Bob. And he goes, let me show you something. He goes, back in 1970, you know, my neighbor um, couldn't get a baseball diamond rented out. And he started pulling out art from the 70s that he did. I have it right here. It's, it's unbelievable. And I thought, we're talking central Illinois, like this 90-year-old white guy is going to, I'm like, great, what are, what are you going to talk to me about? And he basically was like, you have the power to be able to, you know, help and empower other people to do it. And, and I was just like, it, it kind of shook me because I'm like, I would never have imagined this 90-year-old guy showing me his, like, he literally pulled it out of his filing cabinets. And he's like, it's, it's here, I'll literally, I, that's, I was rustling, but this is old. This is from, like, 1970. It's old film. Ah. Right? And he's like, my neighbor was the baseball coach, um, and he couldn't rent out a diamond. Um, because he was black, so I printed a bunch of stuff for him. Literally, it was, it was, and and I would have never thought this. This is Jed's dad, Bruce. Um, and he gave me his entire filing cabinet of it. You know, he's like, people are gonna come to you, and you have to be able to listen to them and help them where they don't realize it. Um, I mean, it's all letterpress. Check this out. This is really cool. I don't know if you can see it or not. See it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, I hand cut all this stuff. My like. AB Dick 400 printing presses. And I was, I was kind of taken back, but at the same time, I was like, he hasn't seen the corruptness of social media, but it's like, pe people are here to work together, you know, in our, in our printing industry of creatives. Like if this 90 year old guy was coming in and telling me this, like I should, you know, I almost like felt guilty. And I was like, wow, um, you're going to pull this out of your old archives just to show me what that is in, in relevant times. It, it literally, I like, I've kept it on my desk. Um, I really haven't shown it to too many people. And I was just like, wow, because it's, it's, it's something we have to do, you know, right. you know? It, and it's up to us. Right. Bruce, and that's the thing is like, it's, 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 it's a situation that's been going on for centuries, forever since I've been a kid. My grandmother was a kid. Her grandmother was a kid. You know what I mean? It's what the, like I said, it's what built this country is what this country is based on. And so, yeah, that just it's just it's it's probably it probably be the thing that destroys this company. This is the country that's the same thing that built it. You know what I mean? Either it bring it together, but it has centuries to do that. And so therefore, um, I don't see I don't see it. You know what I mean? I don't see it like built bringing it together. It's a, it's a it's the biggest divider that this country's ever had, black and white. The biggest divider. You know what I mean? And some some in some cases, people come together. But as a country, as a whole, as a whole, man, it was legal to own people. You know what I mean? That was law. Not for five minutes, not for 10 minutes, for centuries. You know what I mean? And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cold, cold scenario. Yeah. And Dawood, we appreciate you like being, I mean, a, a, you know, like just kind of leading the industry for it. Um, I know listeners probably listening to this are just like, they could probably listen to this for a while because you're on the ground floor, you're employing people, you're, you're dealing it with from, from all sides. And, uh, we, we, you know, we appreciate what you're doing. 
um, and continuing to like educate us um, because because like I need it every single day. I need it more and more and more and more. And so that's awesome. Sure. I know I'm not the end all be all when it comes to the subject. You know what I mean? It's a very, very complex subject. It's a very, very, um, it's very, very, it runs deep. You know what I mean? It really runs deep. So a lot of people have different perspectives. That's just mine. You know what I mean? And you know, we could talk about it forever and ever. But, you know, in our industry, it's hardly ever talked about just because, you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Far as, when I say in our industry, I mean like the ones who have the eyeballs. You know what I mean? The ones who have the platforms that uh, uh, are shown, the ones who get showcased, is not really uh, talked about as much. You know what I mean? But far as from our perspective, we talk about it all the time. You know what I mean? When we chop it up in here, that's that's what it's always been, whether it's doing business, whether it's at home, at uh, Thanksgiving, where it's at the barbershop, whether it's on the phone, it's every day. This is a conversation for us, you know what I mean? Because we really live through it, like really live through it every day. You know what I mean? Like I just got, I don't know, it's like about 15 dudes outside right now. All of them young black dudes, you know what I mean? They from the streets and we all go through it. It's part of growing up. Like the way I grew up, what they used to tell us when I was say like about 13, it's like, you know what? You'd be lucky to make it to 25. You know what I mean? That was the, that was the environment that we lived in. And that wasn't from racism. That was just the environment that we lived in. Like, man, if you make it to 25, man, you're doing good. And to be told that as a youngster, you know what I mean? That's kind of hard. So when you get to 25, you feel like you old because you wouldn't be supposed to make it this this long. And when you look around, a lot of your friends actually didn't. You know, it's like, like oh, you just saying that. But then as you get older, it's like making it to 19, you start seeing how difficult it could be. You know what I mean? Because the way we, in the certain areas where you grow up at, it's like really active and, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. And so you can actually not make it to 19, 20, 21 start going to so many funerals and things like that and so man this this country this country is cool but then at the same time just as cool as it is it's bad it, the on the opposite coin it's bad just the same so you know we try to make the most out of it because that's that's all we can do we got to take these lemons and make lemonade out of it and that's why i picked up the t-shirts to try to uh you know what i don't want to be a victim to what they're saying so at 19 I saw t-shirts and I started selling t-shirts on the same streets where these guys are selling whatever they're selling and this guy's doing whatever he's doing. I'm right here in the middle with t-shirts and I'm making t-shirts to represent us and them. And uh, I'll make t-shirts to represent our neighborhood. And I just saw how much love I got by selling t-shirts. It was so dope. And at the time when I was doing it, it was maybe like three other dudes making brands. And now to be here in 2020 and have dudes flying from all over the country to come and place an order with us is so humbling. It's a great experience, man. It's crazy. It's a great gateway for entrepreneurship for our people. You know what I mean? Because you don't need a college uh, degree. You don't need all these different uh, variables and parameters to actually get into the game. All you need is some creativity and some hustle. Then, man, the sky's the limit. You know, sky's the limit. You creative and you can hustle. Hell, even if you're not creative, if you can hustle, you can go, uh, you can really make you a name with selling garments. Everybody sell clothes. You can't come outside without them. So you just got to put something yep. on it to make somebody want to uh, wear it. And, you know, that's that's been our thing from day one. Dawood, yeah. Thanks for so much for being able to share your story um, 
and perspective. I mean, you just have an incredible niche and it's really, really cool to be able to see where you want to dive into. Everybody, this is Dawood Muhammad out of Big Printing from San Leandro, California. If you guys don't follow him, check him out. It's really Oakland. We really Okay, know. okay, sorry. <laughs> it's really Oakland, Oakland, California. If you guys don't follow him, check him out on Big Printing on Instagram. You can definitely check it out. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Printavo Printus's podcast. All right, now appreciate it.